0: hello and welcome to decoding the gurus the podcast where an anthropologist and a psychologist listen to the greatest minds the world have to offer and we try to understand what they're talking about i'm matt brown with me is chris kavanagh and we have with us a guest today following in our great tradition of inviting people on who know more about these topics than we do and uh yeah we're happy would you like to introduce
1: our guest chris Yes, so great tradition of two previous interviews. But I, you know, that's, that's how traditions start. This is a new invented <laughs> tradition on our part. But yes, so the guest today is Frost, who you may know if you're on Twitter, and you may also know if you've been involved with martial arts or at least talking about martial arts online through his website, Bullshido. The Art of Fighting Bullshit, I guess, in martial arts and and more generally. And there's also a new podcast with the same title. Yes. So welcome, Frost. Nice to be here. Yes. And I should also mention that is a username or pseudonym. Like we we have not got Jack Frost or somebody from the... (laughs) I haven't changed it. Yeah. And and it's for us with a PH in case anybody is looking to uh, stalk you online. These are important yeah, ways yeah. that people can find things. So there's we, a long and nerdy talk- history behind that, which nobody's interested in. So <laughs> we talked about the, the use of having pseudonyms online, or it just used to be user names. And as we're both well aware, Matt has a pseudonymous account on twitter where he's our first and maintains complete anonymity and separation from his actual identity
0: yeah yes so everyone the, has been fooled yes uh, you're
1: very familiar with this concept but yeah so actually first i knew you back in the, the early internet times when message boards were the clubhouse of the, of the time and yeah the, I was actually a moderator on a rival martial arts board called martial arts planet which in true form <laughs> was the milk toast version of bullshido right there yep. there was no cursing allowed and direct personal attacks were frowned upon which wasn't the case of bullshido but maybe that would be a good place to introduce for anyone who doesn't know what is bullshido and the the potted history of bullshido Yeah,
2: yeah, no problem. Uh, Basically, we started way back in 2002, and like you said, there, there was no Facebook or there wasn't even like MySpace back then. So forums were where you went to talk to other people about things, and everybody had their own little community, and sometimes communities had rivalries. And so it was interesting, the wild west of the internet, and I miss it terribly because everything's centralized and homogenized and just very, I don't know, bland. And we have a long history and we've gained some infamy. In fact, I think there was a Stanford journalism student that was doing his thesis on us and described it, us as uh, internet vigilantes at one point. That was fun. I have it saved somewhere. It's, it, it, it was flattering to me. Yeah. Bullshido started out just as a platform for people to discuss things in an unfiltered, unrestricted, uncancellable sort of way to bring that up to modern times. And yeah, and quickly spiraled into a kind of an online fight club, which operated on at least four continents, which that that was that's was hilarious. There's still videos all, all over YouTube of random people from the internet getting together and beating the hell out of each other. And I love that it's good stuff. And then the other side of what we did was call bullshit on things, and that's how how we really started. We called bullshit on Something on another forum and got shut down so we're like let's start our own thing and we did and 20 years later we're still kind of doing it the last 10 years seven or eight you know for for real we got away from the martial arts because we realized that only the, the most delusional people are still believing in the the wackier stuff that we use to debunk like no touch knockouts or chi key abilities or you know aikido being effective as a fighting style those sorts of things it it was just we weren't even like picking low hanging fruit we were stepping on it so we got tired of it and i personally realized that we needed to start expanding our scope because a lot of people are getting screwed and taken advantage of just because they don't know how to process all of the information that's flooding in at, at them and um so there were so many bigger issues that were just pure bullshit that we had to go after within our frame of reference. So we started getting into health and fitness. And uh, you guys know that the supplement industry is just rife with absolute garbage. And that kind of overlaps into some of what you guys have seen since you started this. Hmm. Uh, is if It's a it's an easy heuristic. If somebody's selling supplements, they're probably full of shit. Uh,
0: and, and a lot of those guys. <laughs> see that? So see? I couldn't agree more. Go ahead. Please go on. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we started getting into that, and then just, and then 2015 rolled around, and we started seeing a lot more weaponized bullshit. People started using that more toward to affect their political agenda. I mean, yeah, there's always been disinformation, misinformation, propaganda, and that, but it's it just. Social media dialed that up and just, it was just, it just mm. spread. And so we became aware of it. We were starting to try and every now and then a meme would pop up. That was just garbage. And we would debunk that and we would you know post it on our Facebook, Twitter, whatever. And, and that sort of thing. So we just got a little bit more invested in it. And then 2016 happened and we try to stay politically neutral. I think the media bias fact check group rated us as one of the least biased sites on the internet, but it's tricky. We're trying to walk a thin line when one side, yeah, they're typical political B.S., but the other side, that's their M.O. That's what <laughs> they do. Look that, at they, CPAC. That's our go-to. They rely on it. Oh, yeah. So we still we're threading that needle and it, it's I, I'm interested to see where the next couple of years are going to go. If we can just say, hey, this is wrong and stand in the middle. Not that we want to be in the middle because of any particular agenda, but. We're there because the extremes are dominating the conversation. And yeah, there's not much mm. honesty on either side of the, the far left or right.
0: Yeah, so. that's that sounds like a really valuable goal to have, which is to not necessarily be politically neutral yourself, you have your own personal opinions, but to try as much as you can to put that aside and take an objective and critical view of stuff rather than being partisan about it. There seems to be a decreasing number of places where one can get that kind of commentary or just advice. Yeah.
1: And And we don't run
0: ads,
2: so that helps. So we have nobody trying to, you know, push an agenda through us. We're just, we get a couple donations here and there, but mostly I fund it out of my own pocket, which, you know, so yeah, we're not beholden to anybody.
1: The, like, I, like you said, when you when you try to take a more objective perspective on it, I I think that the mistake that some people make is to imagine that means that you have to spend fifty percent of your time criticizing the Democrats and fifty percent of Republicans. But like you said, and you've commented many times as well, it isn't an equally distributed amount of bullshit at the minute. Like with with Trump and the and the Republican Party, by the looks of CPAC, the like one side is really heavily invested as its identity, rather than it being something which deserves criticism and as incidental. So yeah, I I think I've talked about a distinction between centrism or or just moderate left or moderate and then the enlightened version of that, which is just saying that everything has to be seen as equal, otherwise you're displaying your bias. So it sounds that you're not enlightened centrists, you're not classical liberals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, you know, yeah. we're,
2: it's wherever the bullshit lies. The only, the only caveat to that is that we have to, like I said, thread the needle because if all we do, if all we did for the last four years was post about Trump, and I try to avoid the guy's name as much as possible. If all we did was call out the BS, even if there were only there were ninety nine Trump BS things, news stories, and they won, I don't know, non-Trump thing on the left, it would look like we're doing it. So we have to do that balance yeah. editorially. But yeah, this balance still was towards the right because, come on. <laughs>
1: yeah. So there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to ask you about. But going back to the earlier era, when you were more focused on the kind of frauds, it might be like a, a harsh word for it, but but at least the people that were prone to hyperbole and and there was a significant amount of martial arts gurus around martial arts communities, both, I think they're overrepresented in traditional martial arts, but they also existed in mixed martial arts and even sports where there is a sporting aspect of it. So I wanted to ask you from those experiences, do you see the kind of modern gurus that we see in the political sphere or the health and wellness sphere? Is there a big distinction between the kinds of characters? that were active in the martial arts sphere, or is it there's very much a continuum and they're, they're all doing similar sorts of things? I think they it, it
2: operates on a certain level because they all those gurus, especially in the martial arts, appeal to aspirational ideas about what you want to be, what you want to be seen as. And for a lot of guys, a lot of guys that don't really have any status or anything that they've really accomplished in their lives. Martial arts super appeals to them because at least they can beat their chest and puff it out and pursue some sort of status by having the illusion of being a tough guy or a badass. And that's what they sell, period, in the martial arts in general, except for the kids. And then that's like self-discipline and that kind of nonsense. But uh, so, yeah, I think all the, if you'll allow me to use the term, uh, evolutionary hooks are there and they're exploited in the exact same way that a lot of the stuff that you're seeing today a lot of the gurus are exploiting. It's just, yeah, they're they're the the glitches in the system that you can't the the, the things that you're that, that you're you have inherent that people are taking advantage of to sell their bullshit.
0: Yeah, so that's an interesting comparison, isn't it, between the, the martial arts field and more of the health and wellness. And there's a bit of overlap, of course, with the health and you know supplements and improving one's body and the thing that our last guest emphasized to us was this sort of streak of individualism and almost narcissism that is sometimes present in the health and wellness communities because they're very much against things like vaccinations or community-wide stuff and they're really into personal things that you can buy to maximize your own personal thing is that the same kind of appeal that underlies the bullshit in the martial arts space
2: Yeah, I would think that on one level, it's appealing to a a sort of an image that you want to promote, like rugged, individualist, masculine in in a lot of cases, because, you know, overwhelming people that participate in martial arts are men and are looking for that badass angle. And so if you defer to someone else's expertise, then some people take that as a a ding against themselves. And I don't want to show any weakness whatsoever, so I'm not going to I'm not going to trust that squirrely little guy at the, the National Institute of Health or whoever, wherever uh, Fauci's working these days. Yeah, I'm not going to trust that guy when I can take charge of my own health. I'm not going to believe you about wearing a mask. I That, that makes me, well, let's just say, put it out there in R-rated form. That makes me this guy's bitch by wearing a mask, whereas I'm a tough guy. I don't. I'll breathe my own air. So, yeah, there's, I don't like the term toxic masculinity because that's kind of gotten twisted a little bit, but mm, sure. I think, yeah, it, it is masculinity taken to a toxic level and
1: yeah yeah that seems to fit joe rogan's approach to health and wellness or or in general like brain performance like he's somebody who i think would be relatively open to recognizing the frauds and bullshit that exist in martial arts he still has a bit of exoticism in him but he knows an old tai chi master is not going to defeat an mma fighter but yet he definitely does have the view that your health and and the response to this pandemic should be focused around vitamin D supplements and like working out. And there's, there's a kernel of truth. Of course, being fit and healthy and not having vitamin deficiencies is important to health, but it definitely seems that there's an element broken in the sphere of martial arts that it's about taking supplements. And he's also into cryotherapy and a whole bunch of out there things. But I, I guess I wonder, do you think that's something specific to him? Or is that the more broader thing within, say, the MMA side of martial arts?
2: When COVID hit and was starting to to pick up, we had so many arguments like on everything, Instagram of all places, with people that were <laughs> Like no, we're gonna keep training. We don't need to do this. I don't care what they say. And a lot of it was, you know, it had to be more cynical. I want to keep my gym open. I want to keep making money because they're small businesses. And then you have the knuckle guys that flagrantly were like bragging about it, it was like we're we're holding gym. Look at us. We're here. Come train. Take leave your mask off. We don't believe in any of that crap. And I, it, I don't know what the principle is. I forget what it is, but I know it translates over. If you think you're an expert in one area, then you automatically assume to some extent you're, you're an expert in another areas. Like you've earned a sort of expertise in martial arts or MMA or jujitsu. And so somehow that transfers over into immunology. So, and <laughs> and for a lot of these guys, they, they know one thing very well. And again, we go back to the masculinity thing. It's a ding against them to not know, to be reliant on somebody else who knows those things. And Joe Rogan's a good example of that. He doesn't see, he'll call out the bullshit in MA or martial arts, MMA, whatever, because he's an expert in that. But mm. he just can't translate that expertise over in, into uh, how you produce antibodies. So,
0: yeah, that's interesting. I thought about the psychological basis for covid skepticism a lot but i've never actually thought about the masculinity angle and you've made it quite clear that the the public health advice regarding dealing with the vaccine is to a certain kind of guy feels like something a pussy would do right (laughs) so you know hide at home close everything down oh no i'm scared no their idea is they don't care they're tough they are brave they'll eat some spinach and go train
1: yeah yeah, and if you the notice in the early days of virus. Yeah, <laughs> so but
2: the early days of the lockdown protests, all these guys in their tactical knockoff gear were, were protesting the lockdowns and they were wearing masks. They were wearing masks because it hadn't been politicized yet, and because masks look cool. The military wears masks. I have tactical <laughs> smogs and all that crap. And they were like, oh, no, look. And then the minute, the minute it becomes like fast forward a few months. And those assholes were in the Capitol building, not wearing masks, committing insurrection, and so desperate to be aligned with the politics that they wouldn't cover their
0: faces. Yeah, figure that one.
1: It probably relates to the points that you've already made for us, but somebody on our Patreon, when they heard that you were on, wanted to ask about the Gracie's response to, and I know there's a lot of Gracie's, right? They have a lot of kids. So there's a they widespread thing, but I, I, I haven't been tracking them, but I get the impression from this that what you're describing about people saying we're going to keep things open and that it, it isn't it isn't a serious thing that at least some elements of the Gracie Brazilian, and for people who don't know, this is the family that are associated most strongly with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which involves a lot of close physical contact in training so do you know anything about their response to this or one of them is
2: and I, i've forgotten his name he's the guy that got completely smashed by sakuraba in pride but I, i'm drawing a blank on his name there's one of the greats like hoist gracie's cousin major fighter but i'm drawing a blank on it but yeah he's a huge fan of bolsonaro the brazilian president major anti-masker yeah. himself and so a lot of people have taken their cues from him and i like i said i've had Arguments with these people were like, no, at least wear a mask. You're literally sweating into people's eyeballs. It's You're, <laughs> you're, you're rubbing body fluids on each other. You're doing the opposite of social distancing. There's no real effective way to train jujitsu unless you're in physical contact with somebody. And in fact, who is the guy? There's some major dude in New Jersey, uh, super Chad looking dude, who I think he called me is some autistic lab coat from Bullshito, you know, me for the
1: people who are listening on audio uh, frost doesn't look like an autistic lab coat wearer (laughs) (laughs) i look good in a lab coat though so i trained in brazilian jiu-jitsu for a couple of years at at university and, and when i came over to japan and and like you say the notion that there is any possibility to train with physical distance it doesn't seem feasible but there is an issue there that people's livelihood if that's what you do and that's what your whole business model and your whole self-identity is about then i i get it that this virus is a massive issue not just for your health and that kind of thing but your livelihood and yep, i yeah i got injured like prior to the pandemic and I've now recovered. I had an operation and my knees got better. But I'm wondering long term what the impact of the virus is going to be on gyms and and training, like if it persists. Yeah, it's not a question related to uh, skepticism and gurus. I'm just wondering what the future is going to be for the martial arts that are... Involved close I don't know. Compact. I know a
2: couple of gym owners through the website. Steven Kepfer, who is the president of the American Sambo Association. I don't know if you guys know Sambo. It's a Russian martial art. You get to punch people and throw them around. It's awesome. He, he has been conducting small classes in like a pod format. So he's basically gone private classes only with people that he knows are reliable to have been doing social distancing. So the pods hmm. model is... There's no perfect solution to anything. It's just there are better ones. It's risk mitigation, not a risk elimination. With this, yeah. So uh, I know people that are training. There's a couple, like there's a couple sambo competitors in town. Austin has. You throw a rock, you hit a jujitsu school. A lot of them are doing the responsible thing by having groups of six. These are the people. We're committed to social distancing. We're going to do all the best we can, and so and, it, and if one of us catches it, then you know we stop. We shut down. So we we test regularly as best we can and that kind of thing. It's good faith effort. And I think that's for now, that's the model. But I hope what I hope is just everybody gets vaccinated and then this is just flu to electric boogaloo and we deal with it. We get a boost over here.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. For sure. And it's a very real thing. It's one thing if you work in, in an office, at like at a desk job, where they can transition to working from home and one's livelihood isn't so badly affected. But if you're running a restaurant or running a, a training gym yeah. of some kind, it's a very different level of impact. And so even though we often criticize COVID skeptics or whatever, that's not to say that there aren't huge and valid concerns about the economic impacts it has on people. And, and those impacts are not equally <laughs> distributed, um, are they?
2: Yeah, I completely get it. There are guys that that make their living traveling and competing. And those guys need to train because they're still holding competitions, which, you know, that's probably not the best thing, but I mean, that they've committed to this life and that's it. And the the thing that we were trying to get across to them is, okay, yeah, get your group of core people, lock yourselves inside the gym and train until this thing's over. And then, okay, if one of you starts coughing and stuff, maybe chill out. There's ways to do this without compromising everything that you're doing. Everybody just has to cut back
1: a little bit, at least. Hmm. Okay, so it feels like there's a bit of a false dichotomy in general around coronavirus and coronavirus skepticism. Where, like, the skeptics' presentation of the people who are supportive of public health measures is that they want lockdowns to continue. They don't want anything to open. They want. They just want this the government to control them, and they're willing to accept any any deprivation to just save one out of hundreds of thousands of people. And the reality. As far as I see it, it's just that everybody thinks that these restrictions are shit. Everybody wants them removed as soon as it's possible. But there's people are just willing to acknowledge that uh, there's like measures that are extremely inconvenient, cause problems for society. But until we get a handle on the vaccination, that they're necessary. But now we might be getting there. Something. Mm-hmm optimistic might be around the corner. Maybe and you guys have done so
2: much better than we have up here. I don't know what, I think I have some ideas what the problem is, but I get countries on that side of the world. They've got this. Okay. They're pretty good. New Zealand's running around without masks. They're having barbecues. They're going to baseball games, Taiwan, but they had like fewer than 10 deaths, the whole country, Vietnam, the same thing. And that's what I'm trying to get across to some of these people. Yeah. Okay. I, I, nobody wants to lock down. Everybody's got to go to work. But if the entire country just somehow came together and just stayed the fuck home for a couple of weeks and just didn't just ordered some shit off Amazon, just chilled out, we would have, we could have kicked the crap out of this. But no, the minute the people, the government came in and said, "Hey, maybe you should stay home," we had our uh-uh guys that ran around licking windows and rubbing on <laughs> doorknobs and just doing whatever the <laughs> hell they want, kissing rats.
0: Just we know how you Americans feel about your government. Yeah,
1: just, yeah. and the whole world knows how i <laughs> this uh, yeah. um, and, and
2: this is coming from somebody that i in my younger years was a raging libertarian i had a copy of atlas shrugged i was like yeah everybody live i'm gonna live my life for myself and i, I voted for bush so <laughs> i I'm, I'm not i'm not like a mr lefty with a shake reverse shirt or anything i
0: no I, I I have look I personally have a lot of sympathy for libertarian thinking too like I feel if I want to take magic mushrooms and go for a hike naked in their country, then I don't that's up to me, you know that's my choice. Yeah. I like that. So, um, anyway, specific
1: example. That, but <laughs> okay, the, um... I've been thinking.
0: That's been, uh, that's been on my mind. Actually. <laughs>
1: just, just just for the added risk factor. Okay, I've
0: been I've browsed Bullshito.net before, but I was just browsing it again this morning, and it's it, it's a great website. People should have a look, and it's impressive the variety of topics you cover. Like it's health and fitness and anti vaxxers, as well as the political the kind of arg- bullshit that occurs in arguments and <laughs> and, and so on and it's just uniformly a, a rational sort of science-based approach that you're communicating. So you obviously have been up close and personal with this stuff, not just in martial arts but in other fields too. And what I wanted to ask is whether or not you had a rough mental model or theory of what's what's going on. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean by giving you mine. Like my baseline, rough approach, description of what's going on is people tend to be easily deluded or delude themselves on specific topics, Yeah, whether it's wearing a mask or or not wanting to take a vaccine, or that some supplement is going to just do amazing things for them, because they are congruent with their worldview, their basic worldview, how they look at the world, that specific belief presses the right buttons and makes them feel more comfortable or somehow supports their general worldview. Do you have a, a mental model of what's generally going on?
2: I, we one of the things when we started transitioning into more general bullshit outside of martial arts, we still kept the martial arts uh, analogy and uh, it pairs nicely with just science in general, if you think about it because if you have if the way you fight can be the, your skills can be falsified. So you can subject them or you can subject them to peer review usually involves getting a fist in the face. And that's how we we stumbled our way into there with a little bit of head trauma. And so the analogy and we have a column that I write most of the articles for it uh, because I'm a little bit more passionate about it than some of these other guys. But is self-defense against bullshit. So if you look at it as an analogy of martial arts, everybody can get better at self-defense against the kind of people that want to exploit them, take advantage of them, mm. just all the gaps in the way we think, the, just the psychology behind it. And yeah, there's sort of things that people can use to just bypass the, the higher order thinking and just appeal to the, the baser instincts. And, and so there's a lot of people that whether or not they're doing consciously or they are they literally know those hooks to the buttons to push, that's how a lot of the, the gurus and the, the hucksters and the grifters take advantage of people. So you got to learn to see it. And for example, we have one of the articles about razors, like, think of Occam's razor and Hitchens razor, Hamlin's razor, all of them. So we wrote an article about that just as a way to cut the bullshit. So we're we're trying to expand on that that analogy and our audience is still a lot of people that are in martial arts, a lot of knuckleheads, a lot of guys that have lost a, a full standard deviation of IQ by getting punched in the head. So we're trying to explain all this to people that are reasonably dangerous so that's our hook. Is Like I said, we started out in the early days meeting up and beating the hell out of each other. We had, we've had we had people get into fights in person over discussions on the forums. We had, I think one of the most, there's a video of it on YouTube, a carload of people from Atlanta drove up to uh, Maryland to get into a fight with a dude in a parking lot over a, an argument about Kung Fu. And it, it went completely sideways. Somebody threw a flying kick, ended up on the ground. And it, it was just... Uh, that's the kind of stuff we used to do. It was like, I think we were the only online community where you could legitimately get the crap beaten out of you for something you said online. So we we have people like that. And so the idea was to take these people who are you know a little rough around the edges, dangerous, and make them dangerously prepared to deal with that because you don't want those people being influenced against their best interests. So somebody that's that's completely willing to throw a punch against somebody at least you can get them to throw a punch against somebody that deserves it
1: yeah that was a, so my in that analogy that makes us like a training gym you can send people to listen to decoding the gurus and yes. they can i brought you guys up too yeah pigs.
0: yes as, so as you long as that's... we take all the dangerousness and all of the bad badassery <laughs> out of the analogy then i think you could think of me as a trainer in a training gym
1: for us, the, the, when you were talking about that, one thing that paralleled for me, my personal history, I started out, like most kids, interested in Kung Fu films and Bruce Lee and that kind of thing. So I started training in Wing Chun and then I, through exposure to martial arts forums like Bullshit or Martial Arts Planet, I, I became aware of the endless debates about the street versus the ring, right? These are like uh, like akin to the great debates of creationist versus evolution, where on martial arts planets, there was endless debates about referees and time limits and the the dangers of the street, uh, multiple opponents. But, but I ended up uh, partly, I think, through exposure to that and an interest in what you were talking about, like pressure testing things, that I eventually migrated to doing Thai boxing when I moved to London for university. And and through that, realized quite the world of difference that was involved in those kind of things. And then over time, actually, I think partly through meetup that was half Bullshit or half martial arts planner. It was a guy who was active on both forums and uh, the, this big guy who was doing grappling stuff. So I went to a meet up with him and he, he was very kind because he was also about five stone heavier than me because he could have just destroyed me sh- for sheer weight. But he introduced me to grappling and how, how little I knew about that whole world. And then I ended up starting doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and Judo and that's why I, I kind of ended up staying. But that, that trajectory, it, it kind of mirrors i think in the way of where you might start off interested in i don't know conspiracy theories about 9 11 online or and supplement ancient aliens whatever it is and then you start to see the cracks and you come across more skeptical voices and then you might over time become more interested in science and stuff and it, it seems that there's definite parallels where you're bumping up against reality and you threw in doing things like resources like Bush or now with the rise of YouTube videos and that, that you can actually see the, the like ancient master with the no touch knockout get beaten up quite badly. So it, I don't know, it, it kind of, it's just echoing what you said, but it, it feels like you and your, the website in large part has won that battle in martial arts. Like I'm not saying there's no McDojos, there's no thing, but there's. It certainly feels like it would be hard to maintain the uh, a lot of the myths that used to be dominant.
2: Yeah, no, we probably could have done a giant mission accomplished banner a la george bush and gulf war but in fact i think i photoshopped myself onto that one a long time ago but we we really did there was there's nothing to talk about except for the complete wing nuts that are out there the ashita kims i don't know if you remember that name he's a ninja yeah. master wrote a bunch of ninja books in the, in the 80s yeah we, we tracked him down he was a dude named Bradford davis living in a trailer in florida It was (laughs) neither Korean or Japanese like his name.
1: And Steven Seagal as well. He has Ah, featured on your website.
2: Yeah, we we went hard against Steven Seagal because a lot of the people are friends of friends or associates with Gene LaBelle. And I don't know if you know that story. And I I love bringing up the story because it's like third hand for me. But yeah, Steven Seagal was on the set. Gene LaBelle, judo master, stuntman legend. Just the guy is amazing. He's been in like so many films, background characters, the guy that's getting thrown through the window. Anyway, was on the set of one of the Steven Seagal films. And as the story goes, Seagal was like bragging that nobody could choke him out. And so Gene LaBelle's like, okay, he put him in a choke. Obviously, Steven Seagal couldn't get out. And there was a, was a sort of a brown pants result that involved lawyers and threats of lawsuits. And yeah, but the story got out. And so you're retelling it because fuck Steven Seagal.
1: Yeah, and he's a good example because, like, he also went from the kind of all the horrors. If you go into his history of what he what he did in Japan and various things, I'm sure most people don't pay that much attention to him. But he ended up like uh, a Putin apologist. Basically, any reactionary political movement, he's happy to be in the mix there. So, yeah, I think he gave up his U.S.
2: citizenship, and he's Russian now. So. Whatever, <laughs> good stay. You know, and then um, yeah. another big one from the day was uh Frank Dukes, who was the was the the, the subject of the movie Bloodsport, John Claude Van Damme movie that just complete that utter month? bullshit. Turns out Frank Dukes never competed in a kumite. There, never was a kumite, and he bought the trophy that he displayed to people from the trophy store like down the street from where he lived, and. He's had a vendetta against us for years, the guy, because he's still around, still trying to teach people how to be ninjas, grown men trying to be ninjas. And then, you know, which is hilarious because he's over in Europe a lot and we have an admin over there in Europe. It's this giant dude. He goes by a Jazeera on the forums, former United States Army major. Just he's a beast. And it was like standing next to him on a train like over in, in Dur- like doing, he was actually doing ninja stuff right behind Frank Dukes. So he, he loves to tell that story because this guy's supposed to be like hyper aware, and he's the secret master. And yeah, Jazir was just like thinking, "I could kill you. Ah. I, I could totally ninja kill you." So yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's
1: the personality to kind of just bullshit without because obviously those people know that they are not people who trained under some secret master in Japan or that they are not. They haven't killed all these people and been sent on secret missions, but but they don't. They're able to, you know, lie and and seemingly in a way that they feel very convinced of what they're lying about. And the only thing that I can think of, apart from in health and wellness, where secret tantric masters or there, mm-hmm. there's a lot of the same kind of things in play. But like you said at the beginning. It's not not that in mainstream politics, uh, people just lie and exaggerate and Trump is the the best example of it, but he's just leading the vanguard of what it feels like a kind of new wing of politicians who are completely okay with just bullshitting about their abilities and experiences. So yeah, Yeah, the the fact of this... Extending art of martial arts definitely seems your expertise is necessary.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, and it's the same, it's seamless. It's the same tactic. They prey on people who have a need to feel some sort of identity, to connect with, with a tribe, to see themselves as having some sort of status in the world where they probably don't. They probably work a menial job. Their, their home situation's crappy. Maybe they got stuffed into a locker in high school. They need to feel something. And it's the same thing that you know, maybe Trump tapped into is a lot of the, the people that are seeing their options in life dwindle. They're seeing some of their privileged statuses become more equal to other people. They're seeing a lot of stuff happen and they're losing things that uh, that they had. And now they're seeking some sort of thing to make them feel strong about themselves. And that that goes that's a playbook that's been in use for at least since the 30s. So...
0: Yeah, that sense of grievance and and resentment is a strong one. Yeah, it feels like there's two ways you can go with any topic, whether it's health or martial arts, and you were talking about how martial arts is naturally suited to an empirical scientific approach if you really care about winning so let's say or if you really care about um, you know being being strong physically strong then you'll care about nutrition and you actually care about the genuine stuff and you'll be strongly motivated to discriminate the stuff that works from the stuff that just sounds good And and funny story. Somebody who is arguing against the
2: empirical peer review of sparring is something somebody that's very uh, well known to you. And uh, this was, and uh, Chris brought it up to me, and I had not seen this before. But yeah, our our good friend James Lindsay had like a decade ago or so posted an essay which referenced us, like my website, as a bunch of people that were just trying to push their sparring mentality on. And I, I, I don't remember the exact quote, so I don't want to you know misrepresent him here. But he was making an argument against the need oh, to have the contact sparring, to have that peer review, to subject yourself. And I, as far as I know, all he trains in is like uh, forms or some sort of push hands, like light, light grappling kind of stuff and some wheeling around a big sword and, and that kind of thing in his, in his driveway. But I may um, have seen
0: that. I may have seen something along those yeah, lines. so life. I mean...
2: <laughs> That was the other side of the argument. And so uh, we upset a lot of people by saying, yeah, you need to actually test whether or not you can do what you think you can do or you should do something else. And, and it's hilarious that he, as the defender of whatever he's going off with these days, yeah. was on, on the really the wrong side of that issue. I, personally, I'd love to fight the guy just I, I think that'd be hilarious so. <laughs> no, i'm just throwing it out there james if for some reason you're listening to this let's do it man ufc united unified mma rules there you so, go everyone uh, nobody no.
0: expected the decoding the gurus to be the place where the <laughs> yeah, throw down happened but I'm there calling you go you <laughs> 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 somehow i, I don't think
2: this thing is, thing is gonna to go down
1: you yeah I, mean, I, I did the same thing to don't...
2: alex jones and he's local so <laughs> I, i'm sure the word never got <laughs> back in mean, him, but
1: man You'd even have a. You should have a better chance there because of the amount that he, never endlessly praises his, his physical prowess and like fighting ability. So,
2: which, if you've yeah. seen the guy, I don't know where he's getting that assessment from. Like, yeah. He looks like a bag of old ham. So he's yeah. a, a, a guy. But, I mean, I, that would not be. That would be hilarious and would be fun, but it would wouldn't be fair.
1: So I yeah. No. But I, I'd still fight. James a young guy. And with a high, I have a story
2: high. about that. About Alex Apparently, he did show up at a jiu jitsu school where a buddy of mine was a, was a senior student there, and he uh, lasted exactly one lesson. So, according to the, the story that I've been told, so I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. But yeah, so he, he got paired with a 130 pound female blue belt uh, on his first day, and she wrecked him, and he never came back. Yeah.
1: That's a great familiar uh like thing for anybody that trained in jiu-jitsu for time that there are people that come with a very aggressive attitude and they tend they either learn quickly to to drop that or they just don't come back that's really yeah. common
2: do, do you want to know whether or not you're good and then refine that or do you want to just feel like you're tough so it's a really good just way of assessing out somebody's character i, I love it
1: There was a question I had as well, Frost, about it. Again, this might be like availability heuristic in effect, but I noticed that it hasn't applied so much recently, but in the past, like Sam Harris had started training in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and he would talk about it fairly often. And in some sense, he was making a point similar to what you were about, that this is testing your actual ability to, to fight, right? Or you're, you learn quickly that you're high uncoordinated and how easy it is to be choked by someone or this kind of thing. But then Matt, I don't know if you know, but Russell Brand is also into Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And he was talking about that. And I noticed, I know that just Brazilian Jiu Jitsu became popular. So it was a lot of celebrities were doing it and talking about it, like Anthony Bourdain as well, and so on. But I, I wondered, if you noticed something of an overlap between the kind of rationalist IDW type, like the people who might take the attitude that you're talking about, like testing things, and and as a result, say MMA and arts that have sparring are important, or was that purely just an overlap that came about because it, it was more in the cultural zeitgeist? I've noticed...
2: There, there's two tiers of people that participate in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, for example. There's some really smart dudes that have gotten into it. I've known they've, they've come through the forums, or they've gone off. They're, we have one on our board of advisors who's a, an immunologist, but yeah, they're they've gotten into it because they do realize, hey, this is effective and it's good for me and it's a good thing. So if I'm going to train in something, I have a limited amount of time. I'm going to do something that's probably got the least uh, risk, a uh, reasonable risk of getting you know injured while I'm doing it. So probably not gonna get punched in the face every class I go to. And then something that's gonna be actual, useful and effective, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu fits that niche. So it attracts a lot of smart people. And yes, yeah, there's a little bit of something that's about, let's just come through. There's a little, Joe Rogan has a wide audience. Sam Harris has a wide audience among people that are a little bit, consider themselves smarter at least. But yeah, there's a lot of overlap. And then you have the whole, middle-aged white dude thing too which you know is also a factor because there's a ton of them that do present jiu and that's kind of yeah so it, it overlaps it's sort of like a martial arts intersectionality kind of thing
1: yeah yeah i don't know if you i i just noticed that like i because i felt that in, in some ways i should be sam harris's ultimate target audience uh-huh. because yeah you know that he's an atheist with an interest in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and yeah, and talks about religion all the time. So he should be my my guru, but but (laughs) not exactly. Cynical
0: bastard, you just won't have him ready. I
1: didn't, I actually used to, I used to have a sort of contrarian streak where I defended them against the people in my discipline because he was seen as like, amongst the cognitive science of religion people they treated him as something of a punching bag that Mm -hmm. his view was really unsophisticated but i always felt within my field within the academic field that the basic point that there are plenty of religious people in the world who are genuinely motivated by their beliefs and that doctrines that are extremists can can believe in things which are harmful and not motivate them to action that's not the whole story but i felt that my field was a bit too much focused on saying anybody that has that view is, has a very superficial grasp of things but but unfortunately the more you pay attention to sam harris the more you you see like severe cracks in his the level to which he applies skepticism and and does research yeah so anyway i
2: joe rogan in a sense so yeah, he's like Joe Rogan really with like you know, description.
1: <laughs> two extra
2: standard deviations of IQ. So he's, yeah, I mean he's, but and, and I listen to Harris every now and then. He's had some good episodes of podcasts. He tries, yeah, and, and that's what makes me a little bit more sympathetic to him. He tries. He he operates a good faith. He he wants to understand. He has disagreements and blind spots. And by I'm certainly no academic at that level, but I. I see the merit in what he's trying to do and it's good i i was super proud of him we he disowned the idw because it just went off the rails so that was that had to be brutal it had to hurt a lot of feelings he he deserves credit for that
1: yeah that was we both enjoyed that right it was it felt therapeutic in a sense to hear someone like from within that group say the the thing to the other people because you know critics they don't care about but they couldn't ignore that he called out. The, it shouldn't be hard, it really shouldn't be hard for somebody in that sphere to not endorse voter ballot conspiracies. But it's a low hurdle that so many people just slammed directly into <laughs> and then rolled around on the ground, like screamed out about uh, yeah, the conspiracies and so on. So yeah, that, that was re- remarkable. The post-election period has been really interesting in that sphere.
2: Ooh, and I actually used to follow James Lindsay. I just shtick his, his trolley kind of, haha, you know, shit posting thing. That didn't phase me at all. In fact, I don't get it. I get it because that's the old internet. That's a way you used to interact with people about it. And it, it didn't bother me in the least. But it was that line when he started going off the the deep end. I was like, uh, no,
1: okay. That, that like ironic shit posting seems like it wasn't so ironic. You're. <laughs> 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 They, uh, this is actually, for us, this was a point I was I was thinking about recently with the rise of Clubhouse and this recent incident, Matt, I think you're aware of this as well about the there was a room on Clubhouse taken over where Brett Weinstein and Michael Tracy and various he- heterodox or IDW type people were present. And they invited up somebody who was more social justice inclined, who complained there was only white people. Um, in control. And then they complained that there was only white people with moderating abilities. And when they were granted moderating abilities, they kicked everyone off the stage, invited all their friends up and proceeded to kind of lecture and berate the various people about the, yeah, being being racist and equating evolutionary biology to eugenics and so on. And like that incident is, it's so stupid. It's internet minutia. But it, the thing was that it came out of that because I heard several people discuss it on podcasts, and I'm sure there will be sub stacks dedicated to dissecting the event and YouTube videos about the, the great takeover of Clubhouse. But the thing it reminded me of is this: the internet that you are familiar with and are from, which is people in group chats on chat forums or message boards and these little interpersonal dramas about people doing things and taking over accounts. and. I got the feeling with this event that I was like in deja vu. And similarly, the the last thing I'll mention and shut up just to hear your takes on this is I heard Sam Harris on Clubhouse recently and he was debating a guy about whether atheists can have morality because they don't believe in an objective God. And it was the same arguments that was like, and it was a pretty shitty conversation he had, but I was just like, I've done this. 20 years ago on the internet, like all these debates about have morality And it, it just struck me as, my God, we're back again <laughs> with, with Sam Harris debating like someone. So yeah, I, I wonder what your take is on the differences of the web 2.0 versus the old internet and whether it's just the same shit. I mean, I am biased.
2: I think everybody should just go back to forums because I, I have one. So <laughs> that would be great for me. But I, I do, I think we need to, Decentralize, like just have have everything back to sort of little niche communities where uh, you can have, if you want it highly moderated and you just want people to post everything and cite their sources in APA format, okay, you you can do you over here. And if you just want people, I don't know, posting videos of themselves yelling at the screen, then you do that. And (laughs) you can run the forum for the types of discussions that you want. And it's really hard to cancel any discussion that's like that. If uh, Brett Weinstein wants to go talk about how, uh, whatever he's talking about this week, I'm, I'm not gonna get, that's your thing. But yeah, so <laughs> they can have their own little thing and you can sign up and if whatever, and then you can go start another one. like like brettweinsteinsucks.org and have your own <laughs> forum that's just dedicated to that. It, it, it was more alive back then. It was, I don't know. Yeah. I'm a big decentralization kind of guy because what was it you're, you guys were talking about to live recently and a system like that's more resilient Mm. and the discussion is more resilient the culture is more resilient when it's not under one set of rules
0: yeah and i think that's an interesting point of view you have different niches and diversity of places and rather than everything all mixed in together yeah i mean twitter definitely has that effect on people where people are continually slamming into some someone else who's just living in a completely different planet you know what one person's an academic in Oxford, the other ones, whatever I don't know, a, a Texan who's runs a business or something, and not always, but often they're just coming from just completely different perspectives, different sets of assumptions, and it's not bringing them together is not all unless they choose to come together on a particular topic is not always yeah good and and Twitter it's does got, that.
1: It's got benefits and costs, right? Because I I also think that in a lot of sense. The dynamics that you're talking about recapitulate on twitter that there's a group of people that you interact with regularly who you know and have relationships with and then there's just randoms who fly by to just slam you over <laughs> something or people who have an insane amount of time available to nitpick a very specific issue so <laughs> yeah. i the maybe the main difference with twitter is i feel if you write a thread and you say i i really hate this book by tim scott or something or like that that Tim Scott's a made-up name, but, you know, that Tim Scott may come into your thread and say, thank you for your feedback. Rather than like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I so, uh, think what,
0: what I was getting at is I made a separate account, this pseudo-anonymous you know, account, because I wanted to keep my other, my random interests separate from my straight-laced academic work. As it happened, thanks to Chris and Dakota and the gurus, the <laughs> worlds collided and it all fell apart. But it was a good idea. But now, pin that. even, <laughs> even <laughs> now, I'm followed by... I followed by people who are into coding statistics in R. There's a good number of them. Culture warriors. All. And I could be, you know, when I say something now, I've got to think, how, is, <laughs> how are all the different segments reading this? Because, yeah, so I like the smaller communities is what I'm saying. I can see the benefits.
1: Yeah. So I don't want to take up all your... For us, especially since you kindly stayed up late for us, but I like the metaphor of the kind of training yourself to deal with like the bullshit that is out there in all the different spheres, and that there, I really think there is a nice analogy, even just from a rhetorical standpoint, of people training their mental abilities to to point out uh, or to recognize gurus and recognize bullshits. And I realize throughout this conversation, we've probably touched on a whole bunch of things but if i put you on the spot what do you think are a couple of points that people could do that you mentioned the the different types of razors right the article that you read you wrote about yeah but what abilities do you think are good self-defense online against bullshit and also about falling prey to online gurus that that aren't necessarily peddling martial ability but they're certainly peddling a whole bunch of intellectual abilities that we that we cover every week. I know it's it's a bit unfair to just randomly ask someone but are there any things that you would highlight that are important?
2: I think the the more you want something to be true
1: the more you need to be
2: aware of that. You need to be in tune with yourself and know, okay, yeah, this appeals to me. I, I want this to be real. And then you need to flip a switch and say, how is this not real? What it What is wrong with it? What are the flaws? This idea, it, if this appeals to me on what level, why is it appealing to me on that level? It, does it make me feel something? Do I want to identify with this? Or is it appealing to me because i feel genuinely feel that there's a grain of truth in it, that I'm going to go explore and see if if, if it holds up. So you kind of, it's just basic, the skeptical principles about stuff uh, that you got to be more skeptical with yourself before anything else. And it's, like I said, a lot of the gurus, they might not literally be selling something, but they're selling themselves. They're selling their personality. When it comes to reading the news or getting information about what's going on in the world, I I try, my my thing is to point out now is if somebody is putting their face in front of it more than the, the information, if you're watching a video and it's just a guy talking at the camera, you're not being informed as much as you are being charmed. So, and I don't agree with this guy's politics, but there's a video YouTuber called Renegade Cut that does a lot of breakdowns of movies, but he also gets into philosophy and stuff like that. And he never shows his face in there. It's just presenting information. He presents sources and ideas and arguments, and he's not trying to charm you with anything other than the content. So that is a good model for uh, a heuristic to say, hey, okay, am I being charmed or am I being informed? And, And that's something that's critical now because half Half the people out there get their information from some guy sitting there talking at a camera. And and they're like, they're getting their opinions. And then they just go off out into the world, out in social media and they regurgitate what they've heard of some lesser variation of it. And then, it, then we just have a bunch of noise rather than signal. We have a, a lot less discourse. We just have just battling like meme content. And we gotta get past that. We gotta try and suss out the arguments, the, the differences in what we we think is true, figure out what is true, and then just base policy on facts. Hmm. So but, uh, if everybody can decouple what they want to be true from what their best effort towards understanding is true, uh, then I, I think we. we already have colonies on mars by now
0: yeah i think that's really well said i've often thought that myself which is that the the biggest obstacle to getting a clear view of something is yourself and the things that you want to believe the things that make you feel good to believe make you feel self-righteous and and confident and all the other good things that come with 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 having these opinions and there's a a classic psychology paper which is called opinions are like possessions so in the sense that possessions can give you a feeling of security can give you a feeling of status and and all of these other things that that we use possessions to signal both to, to, to give a feeling for ourselves but also to signal to other people he proposes that ideas and opinions are the same thing so we have to be careful of that are we believing this thing because it makes us feel good or because it's in tune with reality. So that was the first thing you said, which I really liked. And I think the second thing you were hinting at, which is paying attention to the form in which you know gurus or any source of information, the form that it has. And I think you don't need to be an expert in a particular, you know, in discipline areas, whether it's climate science or epidemiology or whatever, but if you pay attention, you can see the form and the style that they're using to be convincing. And I think with a little bit of practice, one can spot those red flags. So, yeah, great. Very mm. so, DTG, uh, you're an honorary. We, we're going to nominate you as an honorary will yeah, no, fight you.
1: will <laughs> uh, fight it, you. It, be afraid. <laughs> it's um uh, it's very like classic star trek we have a pit and there's weapons thrown around <laughs> and you could take on two small monkeys i think before matt like yeah two monkeys but the- yeah
0: but I'm, as usual with the combat the two men enter one man leave we could we get to choose our weapons and i'll choose an armored vehicle of some kind and good luck
1: matt i, I read your chances you'll <laughs> be fine but the but there was, I had an idea. We can always like completely cut this out if it doesn't work. But I enjoyed this when I asked Matt about it on the Patreon. So from the gurus that we've covered first and or gurus that we don't know. So like, if you haven't seen the episodes, feel free to just, you know, pick anyone that you like. I wonder, is there anybody, like if you had to, if you were forced to get dinner with one of the... Online gurus of the modern age. Who would you select as, like, for whatever reason, whatever your personal reason is? Just with which guru would you sit down to have a nice dinner with?
2: Oh, it would be Taleb. uh Like, I mean, that would be great. I would fight that guy too because he's a beast. Yeah. I mean, that that would be a scrap. That 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 dude, he deadlifts. He's solid. So yeah, that'd be great. And I mean, I I am I'm part time military. So I'm an instructor for the military part-time too. So, I mean, his little charade of being a chest-thump and trying to bully people, that's not going to work on me. (laughs) That'd be hilarious. So I I can out-bully him. So, yeah, I'd love that.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a good fit because, like, James Lindsay would just be a nightmare dinner guest. He would just want to get to the fight component where with (laughs) Khaled, it would probably be A conversation that at some point leads to a fight because of his like (laughs) (laughs) his his character, and I think, like you say, he would probably do do reasonably well. Like I can imagine him. Oh, there's a good chance he'd kick my ass.
2: So I I have no (laughs) so
1: yeah. So like this has been very entertaining and informative as well. And like I always forget to do this bit when we ever we do the interview. So I will say that we have the. The coding the gurus podcast. We, yeah, we have the accounts which are on Twitter: Arthur C, Dent, Matt, pseudonym, I'm C underscore Kavna, and the account for the for the actual show is Gurus Pod, Gurus Pod on Twitter, and we have an email. The coding the gurus at gmail.com and this episode will probably come out after the candy one we haven't oh no we have announced the next guru is gwyneth paltrow yeah, <laughs> yeah don't fight
0: her frost please there's no need <laughs> <sighs> yeah. but you can find frost at frost p-h-r-o-s-t on twitter and also uh check out uh, his website bullshido.net um and if there's any other links and the podcast yeah, any other links you want to share there, uh, Frost, uh, we will put them in the show notes. And uh, thanks very much for coming on.
1: The, the other thing I forgot to mention was that the podcast that you have, Frost, I've been listening to it, and I can't remember the name of your co-host, but you have, like, it's, it's, he he's a researcher, right? In Like with knowledge about viruses and vaccines, like genuine knowledge.
2: Oh, yeah, that, that we have Dr. Jason Goldsmith on. He's an MD, PhD immunologist. Uh, yeah, we have him on regularly. So we, there's a lot of the staff that uh, host it. So we kind of interchange. We've got an attorney on the staff that, that does it, Derek Debus. And so we, we have a rotating cast of hosts. But yeah, Jason's fantastic, and he has been all over this. He called 300,000 deaths by the end of the year. He, he said eventually it's going to be over half a million. So the guy, he shouldn't be proud of the fact that he got it right. He, uh, yay. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> I,
1: I, the contrast for me is I think I listened to Brett and Heller uh, who, like you said, what did they discuss? They mainly discussed the coronavirus and culture war topics. And then I listened to them talk about the vaccines and then your podcast in one occasion that was like on my feed And the the level of the gap in expertise and relevant knowledge was, it's hard to over exaggerate just the night and day distinction that was there and the amount of caveats and stuff that were genuinely inserted. So I, I just want to say that you've covered it already, but for people who might have an interest, not just in the martial arts, side of things but the combating bullshit and useful information about the coronavirus your podcast has been uh, great so i i heartily recommend it to the listeners thanks a lot for coming on and yeah the usual difficulties with signing off are, are there so then Matt, you can say bye bye Okay, so, Frost, we always say really strange, bye-bye, bye-bye. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually changed it to you should grovel at the feet of your muscle master, which seems, yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is a reason, for it. a reason for it, but anyway, I'll leave it at feeling, that. Feel, feeling comfortable
2: now, Frost? Yeah, my, my hand's moving uh, to do. the log out <laughs> button. Where, where is it? Right,
0: yeah. he, he's gone, he's gone now. <laughs> All right, well, Bye. Okay.